The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Penn. We are live, and thank you for joining us for a special live edition of the BTL Roundtable. So if you're watching us live or in video, you don't get to experience this. But for those who are going to be listening on the podcast feed after the fact... The iconic voice of Esther Lynn will welcome you to that edition of Between the Links. I hope you're all having a wonderful week, a wonderful day. It is St. Patrick's Day after all. I'm trying to be a little bit festive, so hopefully you're having a good day watching the first day of the NCAA tournament. If you're a wrestling fan, watching the first day of that NCAA tournament, you're eating some just crushing bangers and mash and some corned beef and cabbage and just having a great and responsible time because that's what we're all about. But I am Mike Heck. Fun show this week. No actual competition, no bells and whistles, because Casey Lydon, our producer extraordinaire, he's got himself a mixed martial arts fight to prepare for this Saturday. So we're going to roll on without him, and we are rooting for him to lay at the smack of down in that cage. We are all very proud of him. Go Casey, get it done. So we're going to keep things light and loose here on the show, but a lot to discuss. So let's introduce the panel first. We introduce the reigning, defending BTL champ. No title defense this week, but uh, I'm sure a lot to say as usual. From MMAfighting.com, Mr. Jed Bashu. Happy St. Patty's Day, Jed. This is the holiday of my people, Mike. I am, uh, as many may know, I am from Savannah, Georgia. This is always the biggest holiday like of the year in Savannah, so happy St. Pat's, everybody. Let's go. There you go. And I live like 15 minutes from there, so I should probably like, do. find a way to get over there. But Alas, I'm here in a room virtually with you. So, uh, and now we have a very special guest. There he is, getting in after this win over Sam Alvey. He got on the microphone and he said, "You know what? I want to be on the desk. I want to talk some fights. I would be good at that." So now 
we're going to build those reps right here on BTL. And also we found out that the UFC is targeting a fight between this man and Jacob Malkoon at UFC 275. So without further ado, let us welcome UFC middleweight contender, Brendan Allen Allen to the panel. Brendan, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I look forward to having a little fun here with y'all guys today and uh, hearing y'all side of some things and uh, y'all hearing mine. Yes, we are all very excited for that. Look at this. Production 101. Watch this, Jed. Ready? Watch this. Watch this. Boom. How about that? Let's start with this past weekend because this show probably all jumbled up without Casey here because we don't know what direction we're going to end up going, but we're going to fight through this thing. There was a lot of MMA last weekend, but three big events sort of took center stage and it came from the UFC, came from Bellator and Eagle FC. The latter had their event on Friday. UFC and Bellator went head to head on Saturday. All three had their moments. All three had excitement. All three had main events that created some storylines after the fact. So, Brendan, we're going to begin with you. Who won the weekend and why? Was it the UFC with UFC Vegas 50? Was it Bellator with Bellator 276? Or was it Eagle FC with Eagle FC 46? Man, I think all of them had some great fights. If we're going by main events off of each card, just those, just their main events, I have to go with Bellator. I feel like Adam Borix and Mads Burnell had a great fight. Um it was amazing. You know what I mean? They, they went back and forth. They were both a hard 25 minutes and um, had a killer pace, man. I thought that they looked like they were going for a three round by how they came out, but man, they came out and still did that for five rounds. So if we're going by uh, just pure main events, I would have to go with Bellator, but as a whole, um, I would have to go with UFC. They had a lot of good finishes, a lot of good matchups. But obviously you know that that main event was a little, I think it's what everyone kind of expected, to be honest with you. Either a knockout in the first or second from one of them, or if it went past the second, I think everyone think knew Ankalaev was going to go ahead and take over. But Eagle was great too, man. They had some really good fights. I was actually in attendance live for Eagle, and uh, they had some really good fights. And they're 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 a promotion to watch, man. They're 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 doing good things, and so they're just getting their foot in the door. That was their second event in the U.S., and um, I think they're going to be something to watch out for. Jed, who won the weekend for you? Because we we did a, a lot of content for, I think, all of these cards. I don't know if we did it much for Bellator on Twitter Spaces, but we definitely did Twitter Spaces. We did maybe the longest Twitter space we ever did during the Eagle FC card and, and long after the Eagle FC card. Yeah, we stayed on for a while. And then we did some stuff for the UFC card as well. But who won the weekend for you? It, between the three, who was, uh, who was the gold medalist? Sadly, it's Eagle FC. Like, I think I agree with Brendan. I think, you know, Bellator had the best fight of the weekend, but... It's that age-old question, you know. If a if a great fight happens and no one watches it, did it really make a sound? And and I, I'm just not sure that more than four people, uh, including the three of us on this call right now, actually saw uh, the Bellator main event. And as great of a fight as it was between Matt Burrell and Adam Borch, it it just it did not register at least with us from a sight perspective. Um, similarly, I thought the UFC card as a whole was awesome. Uh, unfortunately that main event was garbage. We talked a lot about it after on fight night. Um, it was really bad fight. Uh, it was really not worth watching. And that kind of leaves that bad taste in your mouth when the final fight, the marquee matchup ends up being a a bit of a dud. It just sort of sours the rest of the card and you kind of forget about everything else to happen because almost every other fight on that card was really fun. Um, you know, the Sadiq Yusuf Alex Caceres fight was maybe like the second worst fight. And that wasn't a bad fight. Um, 
So, you know, overall, they had a great card, a bad main event. But the reality is, Eagle FC, I didn't love it. I'm not like, it's not like Kevin Lee, Diego Sanchez was the best fight I've ever seen. But it was entertaining enough. And more importantly, people were in. Like, I don't. I don't know what is attracting people to Eagle FC. Uh, I don't know if it's just that it's Habib's promotion and so people are stoked on, you know, Habib doing this thing. Or I would argue that Kevin Lee and Diego Sanchez were the biggest names competing that weekend. But even so, I don't think, like, if you put that, we talked about at the time, put that fight atop a UFC uh, card, I'm not sure that it's going to do, like, an insane amount of traffic. But for whatever reason... Uh, Eagle FC was killing it all weekend for us from a, a, an interest, fan interest perspective. All the questions we were getting were about Eagle FC. And kind of the reason, you know, we, you said the reason we our Twitter spaces went so long that night was people just really wanted to talk about Eagle FC. So uh, they won the weekend from a promotional standpoint, certainly. I don't think they put on the best fights, but... They got the most interest, the most buzz going, and that's what they're in the game, especially at this stage for. So let's let's dive into that fight a little more, Jed, because we saw Kevin Lee defeat Diego Sanchez. Lee was a massive favorite, and depending on th- – there weren't a lot of websites like putting out odds for this card, but I saw betting lines from minus 1,700 to like minus 3,300 for Kevin Lee against Diego Sanchez, and Kevin Lee wins. It was unanimous. It was a pretty competitive decision, if we're being honest, but Kevin did say, to to be fair, that he hurt his knee badly when Diego landed the first leg kick. As of now, no update on his condition. We don't know if he had an MRI or anything. So the last we heard was, I hurt my knee on the first kick, and that was it. So we watched that fight together, Jed. What what did you learn watching it? What, What was your biggest takeaway? At the time, we talked about this on the Twitter spaces, I had a lot of concern about Kevin Lee's career because he in all frankness, did not – he probably should have put the wood to Diego Sanchez given Diego's almost, if not 40. And I don't think he's, like, washed, but he is certainly not the fighter he once was. And Kevin Lee, while winning clearly all three rounds, struggled at times. And at the time we talked about it, I was like, man, I don't don't feel good about – I thought Kevin Lee was going to be in a much better position than this, um, especially to functionally be the – the the guy that eagle fc is building around they've created the weight division he's he has been the most active in calling for ostensibly he is going to hold that title and that that he's going to be the guy that is the lead of their promotion outside of i guess habib but he did not look like that guy last friday night at the that that's where i felt at the time i still have some of those concerns now but now that we know hey kevin lee may or may not have torn his mcl almost immediately into that fight that answers that would make a lot of sense for his performance where he looked a bit slow. He didn't look like he had the ability to close the distance on Diego without just kind of lumbering in. Like a lot of the problems that I was noticing with him, they seemed to really be answered by the fact that he didn't have a working knee. So assuming, you know, that all of that's true, which I've no reason not to believe that, I think that answers that makes me feel better about Kevin Lee's performance but I am still going to have some real questions because even with that injury, I there's still, there's just going to be a lingering thing in the back of my head about, man, where's Kevin Lee at in his career right now? Because I, I'm just not sure. 
Brandon, you were right there, man. You you took the fight in live. So what did you take away from and and I I think we talked about this on on Twitter Spaces too, Jed, that in baseball, you could have like an over 20 slump, but if you, you could hit a little nubber off the end of the bat down the third baseline, leg it out, and you break the slump, and then all of a sudden you start ripping doubles and get triples that in the gap. You just gotta get that first hit. And for Kevin Lee, this is his first win since the Gregor Gillespie knockout. Maybe you just it ain't gotta be pretty. You just gotta get your hand raised. And although he was he did suffer the knee injury, what did you take away from from his performance in the fight? Man, to be honest, I can't say it any better than what Jed just said. I had, and along with the people that were watching it right next to me, we had a lot of questions, a lot of wonders of uh, why he was doing certain things, why he wasn't doing certain things. And I feel like the the knee injury kind of explained it. And there was some people that were next to us that was like, man, we think he hurt his knee in the first. Um, so that kind of explained it. But again, there is questions to be to be still be had on where he goes from here. Uh, granted, like you said, you just need to get that W and maybe get back in that win column, and then you can uh, build that confidence, you know what I mean? So hopefully the old Kevin Lee comes back, because Kevin Lee at the beginning of his UFC career, was he was a stud, man. He, that's why they pushed him so fast. So hopefully that Kevin Lee comes back, but obviously there's still a lot of questions to be had, because 165 is a weight class where... Eagle FC has guys that they can bring in that can wrestle like crazy. Um, a lot of those Russian guys can really wrestle. They have good ground and pound. Some of them have really good hands. Um, so there's a lot of talent there, and uh, there's a lot of questions that still be had that hopefully we'll get answers to soon. But, um, you know, still hats off to Kevin Lee for fighting through with the knee injury. I know it's tough to do, and I haven't even had a knee injury like that. So to go three rounds like that is impressive by itself. But um, hopefully, you know, Everything heals up and he comes back better. On the flip side, Brendan, Diego Sanchez, uh, there was there was a lot of concern. They're like, eh, I don't know if we want to throw this guy in there, especially against a guy like Kevin Lee. Like, I know Kevin needs to get a victory, but, you know, this this might be a little scary. He had the horrible boat of COVID and everything he's been going through in his life. Like, eh, not really, uh, not really feeling it. But all things considered, the dude went out there. He competed. He didn't get badly hurt, and he said on the microphone he's got two fights left in his deal, and he wants to fight them up. So did you see enough from Diego where that idea, I don't know if it gets you excited, but it doesn't make you nervous? Yeah, I mean, he's, he looked better this fight than he has in his previous fights. I mean, a lot of people were making jokes about the Fabian thing or whatever his old coach's name is, but um, I, I don't know about that. I just thought it was pretty funny that people were blaming his performances on that. But um, he did look better that night. But still, I mean, if I'm just being very honest, I think his career is done. I think um, evolution is really taking place. And um, he just hasn't evolved with the sport and really can't compete with guys at a medium to high level anymore. And it's sad to say because he, he was a guy that helped build the sport. And he is a pioneer. So it sucks to have to say that, to be honest with you, for me being a fighter. You know, but... Um, at what point do you just look at your overall health as a human um, rather than just saying, I'm a fighter, this is what I do. But then again, coming from a fighter, it is hard to get rid of. It is hard to walk away from. This is something that you give your life to, and it just becomes your life. So I understand that it's hard to walk away. But as far as him performing, you know, there, there's I, – I, I don't think he's going to be any top dog at Eagle FC, to be honest with you. Jed, your thoughts on Diego? Are you 
are we past the concern phase? Is there still some concern? Are you okay? Like, if he wants to just run out these two fights, are you cool with that, or are you concerned still? I'm cool with it because I'm kind of cool with people get to live their lives and make their choices, you know. Um, I'm never going to be beyond the concern stage with Diego, not from his in-cage performances, if we're being honest. Like, it's not like he's getting, like, really dusted up in these fights. Like, he's getting hit and hurt and stuff, but it's it's not like Chuck Liddell at the end of his career where he just got brutally knocked out, like, five times in a row. Um, or a guy we're going to talk about in a minute, Marlon Rice. Um, you know, I don't – Diego's not losing that way. My concerns are just more about the long exposure we've had to Diego, and I've never met the man, but I still feel like I have at least some understanding of of how he operates and who he is. And he gives to me every impression of the guy who is going to have to be drugged away from the sport, dragged away from this sport. Um, and that's that's just always going to be a an ever-present concern, right? Because even if – when we, we talk about this a lot in various contexts, it's not, it's actually less so the, ah, he got knocked out brutally that one, two, three, four times. It's the accumulation of damage that leads to long-term health concerns. And Diego certainly has taken a lot of damage over the course of his career. And he's just going to keep taking more the longer he fights, especially the way he fights. So I'll always be concerned. But at the end of the day, I'd, I fundamentally believe that he it's his right to fight. Like he, this is how he makes his living. He gets to choose how he wants to go out. And so long as there's no real medical reasons to not clear him, which to this point, I don't think there have been like, it's okay. He gets to keep doing it. Whether he, I wouldn't promote him personally, but that's a, a story for a different conversation, I guess. But you know, I don't have any huge issues with it. Last thing on this, Jed, we got two U.S. shows in the books for Eagle FC. No changes at all from the broadcast side. So from show one to show two, how, how would you rate the second go around here, Jed? <laughs> it's garbage, man. Like, I don't. First, shouts to them. Their stream is actually really good. Um, and normally that's like, especially with the smaller shows, that is like historically a thing that is a really big problem is getting a consistent stream that works. I've never had an issue with the Eagle FC stream. So at a very baseline, well done. You guys are nailing the important part. Henry Suhu is terrible and you should stop letting him speak on camera. Um, he's really bad at it. And when he can't pronounce Habib Nurmagomedov, the guy who owns the promotion, who he shares a management team with and literally has multiple conversations with at this point, I have to assume monthly since he keeps doing these shows and he can't say that name. Like what is the hell is going on? Like I don't, some people have talents in some things and they don't have it in others. And it's okay for people to get a shot and attempt it. And yeah, let's see if Henry can do it. Henry can't, we know this now. He certainly can't do it. So make him be an analyst. If you're like really committed to him doing it, this or whatever but it's just this is not where he excels um and i don't think we need to keep trying other people can come in brendan allen wants to get some time doing some stuff let's let a man here do like other humans exist that can talk or hold a microphone and can probably at least 
say the names of the people they're talking to. So it's awful. Um, I wish they'd stop doing that. Although them not doing it gives us more content to talk about in Twitter spaces. So silver linings there. But yeah, um, I have a lot of problems with Eagle FC. And one of the big ones is that. I think that's really, that's an easy fix and they're not doing anything about it. Brennan, you didn't get to to hear the broadcast because you were you were there. So, and not a lot of people were there. This is the they were saying on the broadcast is a VIP only type of experience. So, you got to sit there and watch some fights and do some different things. What was the? How would you grade the experience overall? Did you enjoy? it? Was it a good Friday night? Did you enjoy it? Would you do it again? Yeah, so I've been to both of them, and um, like we gotta go. It's it's yeah. a different experience to be honest with you. Being there in person, it's a very it's weird to say, but a very intimate type of feeling because you're you're so close to the cage, you're so close to the fighters when they walk out, when they leave, um, after they fight, they they can come out and hang out with everyone. There's only a hundred to two hundred people in the whole thing. That's including workers and everything, if I'm not mistaken. So it's it's super super close. So it's a different feel. It's um and there's not a lot of booing. You, I, I don't think I've heard anyone boo but one time that was on the first event. I don't even remember what fight it was. So people understand the fights, you know, and if they don't understand, at least they don't say nothing. So uh, (laughs) I think there's a lot more knowledge or just a lot more people that just aren't assholes. You know what I mean? That ruined a boo. It's it's, it's a different experience. I enjoy it personally. I, I think it's very cool to be so close to the cage, no matter who you are, no matter what seat you are, you all are pretty much all the same distance from the cage. There's like a type of bleacher set up for most of them that are like movie seats. And then they have a small section on each side of the the, the entrance to the cage, the, like the little catwalk. And they just have normal like um, folding chairs there. And there's probably maybe eight rows, 10 rows on each side. So not a lot of, a lot of seats. But like I said, I can't say it enough. It's a very intimate feeling, and um, it's very interesting. I don't think anyone's ever going to go to any other fights that gets this caliber of fighters that's so unique. How's yeah, it maybe. compared to like LFA? I like, I like it better than LFA. I fought for LFA. It's yeah, it's right. pretty similar depending on what venue. Like I fought in Minnesota, Lake Charles. I think that was pretty much all that I f- like location wise that I fought. Um, less less people so more like just a tighter knit type of deal but you still have your space it's not like you're sitting on top of each other um and the way they also the way that the eagle treats the the people that are attending like the first event all the food was free you could order whatever you want no liquor but all drinks and food was free um all you had to pay for was your parking and um, the second event they paid for parking you had to pay for your food that was in the event different type of food um, but they give away shirts, jackets, hats, all that's free. They have like a little, like, almost like a red carpet theme when you walk in. It's got like, um, the poster board on a big, like, canvas almost. So everyone can take a picture in front of it with your friends or whoever you're there with to post. And they promote the next event, um, somewhat. Like, so they don't put the next poster out, um, that they release, like the UFC, they release you know, the big fights, like they released the JDS and Yuri and the Castro promo and things like that. So it's, it's pretty cool the way they run it, to be honest. And I, I think it's better than LFA. It's a, it's a more, 
UFC type of feel, but with a different type of swag, if that makes sense. It's it's interesting. I'm telling you, when you go there, it's hard to explain, but once you're there, I'm telling you, if, you, if y'all get a chance to go, make sure you go because it's, it's, it's a different experience. Mike, let's go to the one in May. Let's go to JDS. I'll be there. Jorgen DeCastro fight. May 20th. Dumbest fight. Dumbest we'll fight to, uh, let's we'll- go. We'll have to hit up our bosses. I mean, that'd be a, a pretty damn fun fight week to cover. So uh, the the Eagle FC debut of JDS against Jorgen DeCastro. I'm sure we'll have Lombard? more recognizable names on that card. Yes, Kector Lombard and uh, Tiago Silva. Not fighting Tyron Woodley because Eagle is really bad at their jobs. <laughs> Both of those fights are objectively bad, but, you know. That would have been whatever. an interesting one. That would have been a good one. But uh, we'll be all over that car when it happens. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Well, let's move to the next day, UFC Vegas 50, because it was capped off by Magomed Ankalaev, defeats Tiago Santos. Main event, five-round decision. But, Jed, we here at MMA Fighting, we have spearheaded two conversations that have not gone away. One, the Tim Elliott stuff based on what he said after his fight and my interview with him subsequently thereafter. The other is what this win has done for Magomed Ankalaev because there's a lot of people that agreed with us in the preliminary stages of this. It was a win and it's cool, but it's not a win that screams. We got to get this guy a title fight. But on the other end, there are people that say, I don't care what you have to say. This guy has won eight in a row. Exciting performance or not, this guy should fight for the title next. He got his main event. He beat a former title challenger over five rounds. This man does not need to do anything else. He's won eight in a row. Give him a damn title shot. So who do those people? Who are those people? Are those people Magomed and Goliath's family? <laughs> Is there any who argument? Who watch that fight other than them are like, yeah, get That's this a- dude in the cage for the belt. But 205, 205 is in the deepest division in the world. Is there an argument to be made that doesn't really matter about the performance? The guy's on the big winning streak. We see a lot of potential for this man. Let's just throw him into a title fight and see what happens. 
I mean, sure, there's an argument to be made because he's got the longest winning streak in the division. I think that's just true. I think I don't think Glover's past him right now. Um, so, sure, I mean, there's an argument to be made. I just – you – and, hell, maybe the UFC will do it. But it's just not the performance you want to see from somebody with – we talked about it afterwards – with a with a title fight on the line, you know. Like he he knew coming in that if he puts a stamp on Tiago, uh, Tiago Santos, that's it. He's going to get it. But now – um, who's Rockage fighting? Rockage is fighting somebody, isn't he? He's not fighting yeah, anybody. He's fighting young, he's fighting well, they're trying. Guy. Yeah, the, 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 we assume they're going to try to rebook that fight. Yeah. Um. You know, if if that fight gets rebooked and Alexander Rockage knocks out Jan Blahovich, that's it. Like, Rockage is getting the next title fight. Like, sorry, it's he. We talked about it afterwards. Uh, Uncle I have basically treaded water, right? Like he didn't lose, and that's the most important thing. He got two paychecks, got his W, kept his win streak alive. But he did it, and he just scraped by. You know, C's earn degrees, but they don't get you to the honor roll, basically. And that's <laughs> that's the answer for him right now. Like he's trying to climb up, and he can't – not going to do it off that unless everything else breaks right, unless the class curve is so bad that he's just at the top with that C – that's where it's going to be for him. And, like, so, again, you know, if Rakic gets rebooked against uh, Blahovich and Rakic wins, he's above Ankalaev in the UFC's rankings. He will have a uh, spectacular win, you know, in this scenario over a former champion. Like, he's going to be the guy who gets the next title fight. Ankalaev has to hope that that fight doesn't get rebooked or that Blahovich wins. Um, because, honestly, at this point, even if Rakic just wins and it's not spectacular, he's still – might just get the title fight. Like Uncle, I have needed to do more and he didn't do it. So sure. You know, if you put him in a title fight, nobody's going to be upset by it. I don't think, but he did not put a stamp on it. He did not, he did not make himself must see television. He used this on fight night. And I'm going to keep saying it. He Leon Edwards, the crap out of the whole situation. And look how that's working for Leon Edwards. Not great, my man. So maybe he gets it. If he does, I like his chances to win the belt, frankly, but he's not doing himself any favors. What do you think, Brennan? Because from a fighter's perspective, and like you just fought in this division. You took a short notice fight. You fought a 205. If you're in this division full-time, and let's just say you're in the same spot as a Jan Blachowicz or an Alexander Rakic, you were probably happy with the way that fight played out on Saturday because – that wasn't a leapfrog over everyone type of performance in most people's eyes. So if you're Bohovich or Rakic, are you confident in the fact that maybe like the UFC will give Ankalaev, you know, Anthony Smith instead of a title shot? And we'll do like a two fight, whoever does it best kind of thing in the winner of that conversation gets the next title shot sort of scenario. So if you're Bohovich, if you're Rakic right now, are you like, cool, Ankalaev, good win, but we're still in play here? Definitely, I, I feel that I feel that's the only way to go. To be honest with you, um, I feel Magomed has a. I feel like he has a lot of talent, and he didn't display it that night. So, and you're only as good as your last performance. So, unfortunately, that's not a title worthy win, in my opinion. But I do feel he has the talent to fight for a belt. Just that's not the performance that's going to get him that. And who knows, man? Maybe he could have had some injuries. Maybe it was the bright lights of a main event, and he just wanted to get the W. 
who knows what the reason is for that, but um, definitely, I feel he's going to fight Anthony Smith and they'll rebook Jan and Ratchik. And like you said, whoever does it better, that's what it's going to be. That's who's going to get the next shot. Now, we had another fighter in not the exact same position, but kind of a similar position. Not as close to the belt as Ankaliyev, but in the spot where it was, okay, this guy is really good, but let's give him a real test, put some pressure on him and see how good he really is. Song Yudong, Brennan Allen, did exactly that. He comes through, goes right after Marlon Moraes. Like normally when you fight Marlon Moraes, you kind of stay away. You try to, you know, keep some distance in that first round. And then you attack him as he starts to get tired. Song Yudong did the exact opposite. He just went right after him, brutally knocks him out. And it's a huge win for him. So how high is this guy's ceiling? Like, do you feel like we could see this guy fight for the Bantamweight title in the next two years? Good. I think so, man. He has, he's talented. He's younger than me and his, his IQ is very good. His, his, just the way he adapts to things are very well. And his technique is obviously very good as well. The way he stayed in there, stayed in that fire of that, that combination, that exchange, or he stayed in that exchange to give that combination was just, that's pretty, pretty hard to do. Someone that hasn't been training or isn't diligent is not going to do that. They're not going to stay in the fire. But as far as his, his game plan to come out there and get in his face, it's actually kind of smart when you think about it, just because Marlon's not a heavy, heavy puncher. He's more of a really heavy kicker. So getting in the inside negated that kick and uh, made him have to throw his hands and I think kind of overwhelmed him just a little bit because he wasn't expecting that. But, um, man, that Song Yudong has some talent. And, yeah, I do th- I don't think he's going to be worthy of a title shot in the next two, two or so years. And, hell, by what they say, I think he's 24 or 25. He won't even be in his prime from what they say. You know, they say prime's from 28 to, like, what, 34. So... He's got a very bright future. No matter where he goes or what he does, he does have a very bright future. And I feel as long as he stays diligent, which obviously he is, man. Look at his physique. That's he, They say he's like that year-round. That's hard to do. I don't do that year-round. So <laughs> I think he's got a bright ceiling. What do you think, Jed? Like, how high can this guy go? I know you're not as high on the Bantamweight division as, as Casey and, and AKR and, and even no myself. as high as they are. <laughs> okay. But still. But do... Do we have like a legit contender now? Do you look at Song Yudong and say, "Yeah, let's 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 uh, let's strap the rockets to him. Let's see what this guy can do. Let's see if he can fly." I want to want to clear a couple things. I'm not down on the bantamweight division. It's arguably the most exciting. Lightweight's just the best division in the sport. It has always been so and will always be so. So that's just it. And I'm sorry that I'm rational. But I love Bantamweight as much as everybody else, just not as much as Casey, who has an irrational love for it. Shouts to you, my man Casey. Whoop that ass this weekend. Two, I think I was the biggest one on Song Yadong coming into last weekend. Like, I, on all our pre-show stuff, was like, I think Song Yadong's going to go kill Marlon Rice. And a lot of y'all are like, I don't know, Marlon's just lost to the best guys. I think he's still got it. And I was like, I don't know, I think Song Yadong's going to go kill him. And I was super right because Song Yudong did just go blow the doors off Marlon Marais. And I thought that in part because I do think Marlon, you know, has had a really tough run and maybe is past where he should be fighting. But I just – I'm really high on Song Yudong. I think, like Brendan said, he's 24 years old and really, really good already. Like he is still – gonna like he still has a lot of room to grow into this and he has the bear like the 
the infrastructure to be a really, really excellent Bantamweight. I would be, frankly, shocked if he does not end up fighting Piotr Jan at some point for the title um, because at some point Piotr Jan's going to get that belt back from Sterling. Whether it's this next fight or not, I could see Sterling winning this next one, but Jan is also very young, and I think what I'm hoping for is that we get uh, you know, a trilogy of fights between Piotr Jan and Song Yudong down the line because they're both awesome. That would be a lot of fun. But all in all, UFC Vegas 50 was a really fun car. We had some good moments. Cleo Roundtree, how can you not just have so much respect for that dude? Drew Dober, great win. Alex Pajeda getting a step closer to that Izzy fight. Just a really enjoyable event. I mean, the main event, not one we'll go back and watch again. But the card before that was pretty fun. It was a pretty fun card, Jed. Yeah, I'm just mad at Alex Pajeda for not getting a knockout and ruining my bet. <laughs> that was <laughs> He had a lot of opportunities to do it and just couldn't quite put Bruno Silva away. And it made me very upset. I'm not well, over it. Listen, sometimes you need that. You need that experience. You need to go those 15 and, and just see what life's about. And he's going to grow and learn from that, right? I mean, just not good for your bet. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't begrudge the man for his fight. I'm just unhappy and how it affected my life. <laughs> this is totally reasonable. Now I'm kind of hoping he fights Brennan <laughs> Allen and gets heel hooked in like four minutes. <laughs> I mean, that would be an issue. What do you, what do you think about Alex Pajeda right now, Brendan? I mean, this is a guy that is is streaming up the division. He's got history with Israel Adesanya. It seems like everybody is looking to fast track this guy and in, into a title fight right away. What what are your thoughts on what he's done so far? Uh, man, I thought that the fight with Bruno Silva would have been a good fight. You know, Bruno's pretty good. He's a banger. Um, you know, I've heard about his jujitsu, but I've never seen it. Which obviously, no I'm one has. Lie. I ain't watched Take <laughs> either. So, but um, I don't know. I my my boys kind of told me about him, but I know Pierre. To be honest, I'm not gonna lie, and people will talk so much crap about it. But Pierre's striking does not impress me as like, oh, he's this great champion, like. You feel like he would be, the way he's talked about, he would be super flawless. But, man, it's just when he throws, it's ill intentions. It's very bad intentions. And I feel like that's what makes his stand-up good. And his switch knee is actually pretty good. But as far as, like, his 1-2, his 1-2-3, things like that, his combos aren't flawless. Like, they have holes like everyone else. But he's just tough, and he's intent, and he's got a lot of experience in striking. But as far as MMA, he's still super green. We've yet to see anyone really try to take him down and um, test his ground game. But um, he's evolving, so, I mean, if you're going to get it, you might as well get it now. I mean, me personally, I'm that type of guy. I want all the smoke. I want every hype train. If I can't have an O, nobody else can have O's. If I can't have one, no one else can have it. So I'm trying to give a loss to everyone. I just need them to stay in the fight and not have a, so many late replacements, but that's a different conversation. I like it. Well, let's move ahead to this Saturday. The UFC is back in London. First time in two years in the UK at the O2. We got Alexander Volkov versus Tom Aspinall. The main event, we got Arnold Allen versus Dan Hooker. Phenomenal co-main event. Patty Pimblett is back. Gunnar Nelson is back. How about that? And just uh, a lot more fun fights. So, Brandon, we'll begin with you. I just want to start here. The next three UFC events, we have this one. We're in Columbus next week. And then we got UFC 273 in Jacksonville. So do you feel like we're approaching some semblance of normalcy here? 
more, I mean, more than we have in the last two years. We have three straight cards in front of more than a hundred people outside of the apex. We're getting like full arenas for the next three cards. Does it feel like we're, we're getting out of the, the hole here, so to speak? It feels like it. And man, I, I sure hope we are, man. I can't wait to have the fans back consistently rather than just, what is it? 50 people at the apex or whatever it is. Um, the apex was fun, but me personally, I'm ready to get the hell out of there. I'm ready to get in a full, full venue back again, like, like Jacksonville after COVID. So I, I sure hope so. It feels like it right now. And I sure hope it continues that way. I feel like they're going to start putting more and more and more in, into at least the pay-per-views. So um, I think pay-per-views, I think we're solid on making sure we have fans and um, hopefully, hopefully we can get consistent with that on fight nights as well. Just so everyone gets back to, to that normalcy. I agree. Uh, Jed, this is one of those cards where as long as you promote the right fighters and get some locals on the card, like the lineup certainly matters in terms of viewership, but not really as much as other events because the crowd is going to make this as memorable as the performances are. So having said that, how do you like this particular lineup overall taking the, I guess, taking the ambiance out of it because you know, that's going to be fun, but how do you like the lineup and how do you like this main event between Volkov and Aspinall in the, in the headline spot? This card rules. Um, it's, I think there's an actual argument that it is the best fight card the UFC has put on this year, including pay-per-views. It's probably not right. Um, but I think that there's top to bottom. Uh, this is about as perfect as, as it gets. I have two very small quibbles, um, with it, but otherwise it is excellent. Um, like you said, we're going to get a great ambiance and they have, they've done the thing that they do when they go to England, but they like did it well this time, where instead of just like every European fighter gets on the card and, you know, does it really matter that Gunnar Nelson is fighting in England? It's not like he has, it's like this enormous pull or whatever. Uh, they've got just a ton of British people fighting on this card. So crowd is going to be absolutely bananas the whole time, um, which is going to be great. Like I expect this is probably one of the like very few events this year where the house is going to be mostly full from fight one. Eh, maybe not fight one. I'm not sure how much, like how much Mohammed Mokayev uh, like how many people are that into him. But like by the time you get to the Jack Shore Timber Valley fight, which is probably the best fight of the weekend, if we're being honest, like that place is going to be going ape the whole time. So great card. My biggest issue with the card. Also, uh, love British cards. It starts at 1 Eastern time. So great for us. <laughs> Super stoked that I'm not going to be up to like 3 in the morning. Um, uh 12 fights. I know we lost one, so it was supposed to be 13, but 12 is a number I can work with. It's not the 10 perfect, but 12 is okay. My my main issue, honestly, with this fight card is the main event, which I understand why it's the main event, and I get that it's very like, that it's like as far as heavyweight goes, it's a good fight. Um, I don't want to see five rounds of this because I think that we're going to get five rounds of it, and I don't know. I watched. Cyril Gaon and Alexander Volkov fight for 25 minutes and nobody was like, hell yeah, I need to see 25 more. And I suspect this fight's going to look a lot like that fight. Um, you know, the British fans will be stoked because Tom Aspinall is doing stuff. But for the rest of us, I would way, way, way rather have Dan Hooker, Arnold Allen in the main event. Um, I think that fight, the dynamics changed dramatically over five rounds. 
And I am just like, I would watch those two dudes fight for 25 minutes, no questions asked. Uh, but that's my only issue. Otherwise, top to bottom, great card. And I'm, I'm really excited for this weekend for a lot because a lot of the fights are great. Brandon, your thoughts on Volkov versus Aspinall? Because this is kind of like last week, last weekend's main event. A lot of hype around Aspinall. Hasn't really asked for this big of a step up. He kind of wanted to the... ask not to have this. Big yes. Of a step he, he, exa- up. he was like, I want a slow build, just one ranking spot at a time. Let's just slowly get there. UFC is like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we're not doing that, but he's getting it here. He's getting that step up hometown fight. And if he goes out there and impressively beats Alexander Volkov, you got an official player in this heavyweight division. So from a fighter's perspective as a guy, who's going to look at it maybe differently than the jet. And I will, like, what's the biggest question you have in regards to this fight? Like, what question are you looking to have answered more than any other? It's tough because I, I, I like Aspinall. I think he's a very he's he's also a guy like Song Yudong as far as how how far he can go. I feel he's very talented and he brings a different a different like swagger to the heavyweight division. He's he's a lot different. I think he's like the an evolved version. Of what we used to see so but as far as what i want to see answered is just um how's he going to deal with that 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 height discrepancy you know volkov's a big dude and um i know that aspinall has been working with fury so that'll be interesting to see how that that's going to work but um i think for me it's just that's the only question i have in this particular fight is how well and to go off a jet of my bugaboo for the card is that there's no uh there's no real londoner on the card there's no real true londoner so I, so I find that a little weird man i wish my my training partner at sanford was uh fighting a little bit sooner and could get the call up because he's a true londoner but his fight got moved to this weekend for fury in the main event so shout out to george tokos um but yeah that's my that's my only thing there's no real londoner on the card jed like you mentioned the co-man event is fantastic i gotta find this comment because i thought it's actually uh it's actually a really good question here David Sandani likes Arnold Allen, feels like Hooker really needs this win. So, I mean, he's going to root for Hooker. We're not going to talk about who you're going to root for, but it is an interesting point about who needs this one more because Allen has been on a tear. It's his first fight in quite some time. I know they're trying to book him in some big fights at the end of last year, some big main events. I know Calvin Cater was mentioned, but he had a hand injury and he just couldn't get these big slots. So now he gets his opportunity to come back. He gets Dan Hooker, who everybody likes. He's going back to 45 feels like this is going to be home for the foreseeable future so who does need this one more arnold allen in a in a division that is really interesting and and very top very loaded right now it's very deep in talent or dan hooker going back to 45 and trying to get things on track like who needs this one more right now it's a really good question i think the answer has to be hooker because if he loses he's lost four of his last five and that's that's a tough look but I think there's an argument for it to be Allen. And the argument is, I like Allen. I think Allen has a lot of promise. I think I have him the highest ranked of our panels, um, of, of our panelists at MMAfighting.com, greatest website in the world. Um, <laughs> I, I have some questions about kind of what his ceiling is. But more importantly, I think that he is really at risk of being in that Leon Edwards, Magomed Ankalaev now role of, yeah, he is great, but he is imminently forgettable somehow, despite the fact that he's got a great personality and I really like things he does outside the cage. 
his performances inside the cage don't seem to resonate in 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 the way that you would need to build a star and that's it's really hard if you're that kind of guy to take a loss to let's say Dan Hooker is an outside top 10 featherweight like it's hard for him to build a title run if he needs 8 9 wins every loss is a big big setback for a title run and that's He's starting to shape his career, starting to shape up to be that way, where he is not going to be able to get there with four wins. He's going to need a bunch of them. So there's an argument that he really needs this win because every loss is just frankly catastrophic to his title aspirations. And I know that that is like that's the driver for him is that he wants to be the best in the world. But with Hooker, I hate this drop to 145. So I think there's an argument that if he loses, he just say, "Oh well, screw it. I'll go back up to 155." I don't think that's in the cards for him, though. I think he's committed to this, and so he needs this because he wants to be relevant in the division, and mostly he doesn't want to lose his fourth fight in five tries. Like That's that's just not a good look for any human. So I'm going to say Dan Hooker, but it's a really interesting question. I'm not sure that's the right answer. So the start time, prelims start at 1.30 now in the main card at 4.30 because you lost a fight, so they pushed it back half an hour, but that's okay. Do you agree with that, Brendan? Do you agree with what he said about this 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 co-main event in, in, in terms of who actually needs this win more right now? Yeah, I think you can see it for both sides. I think, personally, I think Hooker needs this this one more just based off the fact that, like Jed said, he lost four of his last five. But also it's the fact that it's tough to have to go from 45 to 55 to back to 45. I know what it's like to feel like you're the best in the world. You start getting these wins, and then something happens, whether it's outside of your control, whether the guy's just better, whatever the case may be, but then you just end up losing these these key fights, these key matchups. And so you, you start not doubting yourself, but looking for another way to make it to the top, whether it's going up a division, down a division. And I feel like he's trying to find his place to where he can be the best, be at the top of the, the, the division, be the champion. So... This is a very important matchup just based off the fact the four out of the five. And then what happens if he loses? Then you, ha- then you have to know you, you're pretty much never going to be a champion. And when you feel it in your heart that you, you're a champion and that you can be the champion, that you're the best, but you just lose these, these key matchups, man, that's devastating. That's, that's hard to deal with. Um, I don't think a lot of people can understand that or put themselves in their position to understand that. But if that is to happen, I really feel for Hooker. I'm not a huge Hooker fan personally, but I like his fighting style. Like, I like his fighting style, but I don't really know him too well as a person. So, But I've heard things. But um, I, I would feel for him greatly just because I know that would suck for me or any other person that does this. But um, as far as Arnold Allen, I don't think, obviously, every fight's super important. But... Look at Kamar Usman. On his way to the title, he was bringing off people to decisions, to decisions, or I don't know. I'd have to pull it up exactly what it is. Like, if he had any finishes, do you know if he had any finishes on his way to the title? Was it all decisions? He had like one. One. He He had a lot of decisions until he got the belt and got comfortable. Right, exactly. So I think Arnold's the same way. As long as you're winning, you're good. You know what I mean? You're winning, you're good. Like you said, though, Jed, it's, it's, it's hard to really boost yourself when you're not given those key performances that are memorable. And unfortunately, like you said, Arnold Allen hasn't had any of those that make him, you know, remembered for weeks and weeks and months to come. So, um, but as long as you're winning, that's all that matters in this, in this, 
at least promotion. You know, I feel like it's in the sport, but at least in this promotion, as long as you're winning, that's all that matters. They'll catch on eventually, you know, and the, and the UFC can make a star out of whoever they want to make a star out of. So whenever they want to make Arnold Allen a star, they can without a doubt. So all he's got to do is just keep winning. This card is really good. Like the first fight is Muhammad Bahayev against Cody Durden. That's the first fight of the card, which yeah. is a really interesting fight uh, because a lot of hype behind Mahayev, uh coming in at 5-0, and oh, getting getting yeah, like an, an immediate signing and an immediate signing. Um, that doesn't happen all that often in, in the UFC. Of course, we got Jack Shore, Timur Valiev. That's a great fight. Nikita Kraut, Paul Craig, it's a great fight. Shamil Abdurahimov, Sergei Pavlovich. Mike Grundy's back against Makwan Amir Khani. Jai Herbert versus Ilya Teporia, which, by the way, we should probably bring this up because the most interesting thing that's oh, yeah. happened this weekend is Ilya Teporia and Patty Pimblett almost getting into it. Hand, sanitar- hand sanitizer bottles being thrown, punches being thrown. There's some there's some heat between these two guys. Judge, they've just like called an audible here and just booked oh. these two dudes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Look, I like Patty Pimblett um as a character and full credit to that man. He has got like million dollar endorsement deals um and all that stuff. He's built a brand. He and I think he came off looking. I won't say he came off looking good in this particular thing because the genesis of the beef is him making an ass of himself about the country of Georgia. But I thought, like, that moment, that encapsulated moment, he did look okay. Like, he he did what he said he was going to do. He stood his ground. Tapuria had six dudes behind him, and Patty wasn't shook. So he wins that little microcosm of it. But if Patty Pimblett were to ever fight Ilya Tapuria, it would be the most one-sided ass-beating of this world. Tapuria would rearrange the bones in Patty Pimblett's body and make a necklace out of them. So you can't audible this into a fight because the idea is that Patty's a star. <laughs> like you can't at some point that the whole house of cards is going to come crashing down, but you don't want it to be audible to on fight week in the second fight of Patty's UFC career. You want to have Patty keep doing this thing where everybody gets stoked. Um, so in a great world, they would never fight because Tapuria will beat that <laughs> ass, but you know, Maybe sometime they do, and then hopefully Patty gets a lot better and then in between. But for sure you don't audible out of this. I would ruin Patty's whole image. You agree with that, Brandon? You were nodding, so I assume you agree with yes, that. Yes, 100%. <laughs> I agree a million percent. All right. Yeah. So Look, Patty's a fun ahead. guy, and I love the hairstyle, but he's not the best fighter in the world is all I'm going to say. Well, we'll see. He's fighting Rodrigo Vargas in the featured bout, so I'm sure the crowd will be... Oh, crowd's going to go hectic. insane. They're going to go nuts for him, and it should be... What a scene. What a scene it shall be in London. We'll have our preview show tomorrow, I believe, at noon Eastern, so be prepared for that. We're going live uh, to preview UFC London. Jose Youngs is in London right now, getting you ready for that card. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we have a few more minutes. So I wanted to end with this, a little potpourri. We're going to play a little game of buy-sell, gentlemen. We're going to do a little rundown of some some topics that people are talking about. I've seen it in the chat a few times. So uh, let's get after this. I'll bring up a topic, a headline of sorts. I will present them to each of you. You decide whether you buy it or sell it and explain why quickly. So Jed, we'll start with you. First topic, buy or sell that you're surprised the UFC booked the Nami Yunus Esparza title fight rematch. That is official. It is on the books. Are you surprised by this or did you actually expect this to happen? So I expected this to happen. Um, I know that the UFC wants to really get a, a fight that they think is better or more marketable or have a better outcome, but this was the fight to make the whole time. It's a, I think you can market this rematch. It's the fight that both women wanted and deserved. So I think at the end of the day, this was where we were going. So not surprised. Same question to you, Brennan. Same, uh, 100% agree. I, I think it was a no-brainer. Both women wanted it, and obviously they say a champion has pull on who they want to fight. So why not? It's number two. Let's run it back and um, see what happens. I feel it's like he said, like Judd said, it's very marketable for them. Yeah, it's a good fight. Um, I'm actually not surprised that it got booked so quickly. I, I didn't... I, you would think like this would be a July fight or June fight or maybe like even later, but I mean this card's less than two four? months away. The two seventy four. Yeah, it's the May card, so less than two months away, and it's on the book. So, not really That's surprised in, with that one. Then the one in Arizona. That's the Phoenix card. So now it's we got the two title fights. We got yeah. the the lightweight title fight, and then yeah. we got what the hell uh, are they going to put on Ferguson. fight week? What's that? They all what the hell are they going to put on International Fight Week? Like all of their belts are being defended. I don't know. Maybe we do Izzy versus. Uh, we'll save that. We will save that. Okay, I say that's uh, coming. We'll, we'll save that yeah. one. Uh, Brendan, you start this one. We've seen a little more steam on this one uh, over the last week or so, and maybe this question will make you a little nauseous, but it is what it is. Buy or sell? Jake Paul versus Conor McGregor will happen in the UFC. No, I definitely. <laughs> I Smart don't man. think that's close. Never. Jed? Never. No. Why would Jake Paul keeps Jake Paul is playing with house money because he knows he can just say stuff and Dana can't agree to it. <laughs> Dana just can't because the demand that Jake is making on the other end of it is it can't be he Dana will not do it. So he just gets to say stuff like this. But no. Why would Jake Paul and Conor McGregor do that and give the UFC that money when they can do it outside of the UFC next year? And make all the money themselves. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, two more. Jed, buy or sell that Tim Elliott's honesty in fighting to win to secure money for his family in any, in any way possible, whether you grab a glove or not, this will actually create positive change in the sport and how referees look at fights. No, uh, I'd sell. It's not going to, this change does not come because one fighter said something or people started talking about it. It's only going to come if systemically commissions start talking to referees and are like, hey, 
the rules, this is the enforcement of the rules. You're not doing it. You have to start doing it. And I don't think that that will ever happen. So uh, shouts to Tim Elliott. We wrote about it on the site. People got mad. Um, cheat. Cheat your ass off. That's what I say. Cheat all the time because if they're not going to call it, you're not breaking the rules. Right, and your thoughts on this whole situation. I'm sure you've seen the articles and, and everything and, and Tim's responses to everything. And, you know, I, I saw Julian Marquez say that that it's clickbait and it's absolutely false when Tim actually came out and was super it. honest about all of this. So, I mean, just it's just an awful take on the whole thing. But uh, your thoughts on uh, on this whole thing from a fighter's perspective, because, again, no one's, like, advocating to run out and, I mean, maybe Jed is, like, go out and cheat. Like, cheat. The martial artist way is, like, don't cheat and play by the rules, but the but the – the prize fighter, the guy who's trying to make money for his family that needs that second paycheck to put in his bank accounts. Like if a glove's there and I can grab it, I'm going to grab the da- grab the damn glove. So your thoughts on this and th- the whole thing? Are you down with with this whole thing? If the ref ain't going to call it, go do it. Yeah. yeah, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's what my aunt always <laughs> told me, you know. But I mean, I, I guess you could say it's cheating because there's rules, right? But is there really rules in fighting? We could go as far as say there's rules in war. There's nothing. We're fighting. They make this so that it's a sport, but still at the end of the day, it's still a fight. Like you, you put your hand in my mouth to try to like rip my cheek out or something. They don't call it. Hey, it's a fight. You did your thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like I don't get mad at nobody for doing that. I mean, if you intelligently try to kick me in my nuts though, then yeah, we got a little problem, but you know, Little things like that, grabbing the gloves. In a in a hard fight, we're not gonna wear gloves. So I don't know. There's there's certain things that it's just like 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 Jed said, refs are gonna call and it it's not gonna change unless the commissions enforce it. So it's just tough to say because where one ref may enforce it, he's only getting what, three fights a night. So maybe only three people are getting called, but the other what, nine fighters aren't getting told shit so it's just like i don't know i I feel across the board you're never gonna get a fair shot at it i was way more mad that kennedy and shishuku didn't get a point taken in the first round i was livid that he didn't get a point taken mark smith the entire first round was saying put your fingers up put your fingers up put your fingers up don't poke him don't poke him the whole first round and then he pokes him in the eye and he gives him a warning what are you kidding me? You wait till the third round to give a warning after you literally for two and a half minutes straight are telling him not to poke him in the eye and he pokes him in the eye and we don't take a point away. It's so yeah. stupid. It's so I, dumb. A lot of people give like uh, Tyone uh, a bad rap sometimes. But man, for me personally, he's my favorite one. Like when I fight, I want Tyone. Like for some reason, when I get Herb Dean, it's always weird oh. circumstances. I don't want Herb Dean. Oh, no man. offense to Herb. I don't want Herb to Herb. Give me Tyone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's how I feel. Give me Chris. So him, and there's a couple other ones that I like too, but he's right off the top of my head. He's my favorite. And man, I can't think of his name. The other, uh, he's short, little skinny dude. Black Herzog? Kid. Huh? Peterson? No, Peterson's cool too. Oh, Herzog. Herzog. Yeah, Herzog. He, he's I think Herzog's the best, right? I like them. But it's just like, no, don't give me Herb Dean. You know what I'm saying? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Look, man. Just, I wrote about it in that article that Julian Marquez doesn't understand what the word clickbait means. Um, He's a square anyway. A little bit, but, you know. um, I wrote in the article, the analogy I made was to pro football. I was like, can you just imagine what would happen in the NFL if, like, we all watched the Super Bowl, 
Uh, one of the PIs happened on Jalen Ramsey, you know, DPI. And the refs are just like, defensive pass interference. Uh, we told them in a mean voice not to do it again, so play will resume, no penalty. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it would just be anarchy immediately. <laughs> you already see it, like, in the NBA and the NFL. Teams know which refs are more prone to call what sorts of penalties and will actively do the bad things that those refs allow more. Like, that's just how it should be in MMA. Herb Dean is never going to penalize me for anything, so I get two nut shots, a cage grab, and an eye poke before I even have to worry I may have lost a point. I'm going to use all of them. Cheat your ass off. Make the referees do their jobs. That's my PSA. Chris Chris Tyone is like the Mick Foley of MMA refereeing. There's like three faces of Chris Tyone. Like once in a while, like the Brendan Allen experience, when Chris Tyone is on, he's very good. But we've seen instances where Chris Tyone just has an off night and it's just really bad and he like stops fights too early or he lets fights go on way too long. And then there's the middle ground that we see more often than not where it's like, I'm going to be real stern about this warning. And he gives like layers and tiers of warnings where it's just like, all right, don't do it again. Then it's like, all right, no, seriously, don't do it again. And then the third time, it's like, all right, this is officially a stern warning, son. If you do it again, I'm taking a point. And then on the fourth one, then he'll take a point. But sometimes he'll just come out and take points right away. He'll just take point. You know what? Stop taking a point before the first punch is thrown. Like, he's he's just in that kind of mood. Yeah, see, like, I feel like Goddard does a very good job at, like, taking control of the cage in that aspect. He's another one of my favorites. I've had him when I was amateur for Worlds. And, man, he's very – I would almost like to say that's his cage when he's in there. You know what I mean? Like, he takes control of it. Um, but he's another ref. He's very good. And uh, he's he's pretty consistent. He's had his, his off nights as well, which I think everyone has. But I think he's pretty consistent from the fights that I watch. And granted, I don't watch all fights. But from what I watch, he's pretty consistent. Yeah. Goddard um, is one of the best refs. I think it's between Goddard and Herzog. Yeah, yes. for sure. Mark I Smith agree. not great. <laughs> and Mark will, like, he doesn't do media often, but he'll come out and like talk about calls the next day. He'll he'll he shows accountability, which I, I always respect. I've always respected that because not many people do. Yeah. If he's if he f's something up, he'll come out on Twitter the next day and watch it and just be like, "Oops, sorry, I didn't mean for that to happen." Like it's and and it's all good. So yeah. By the way, I yeah he did, but. I mean, sure did. On. I think we're on the same. I think we all kind of look at that the same way. All right, last one because this has somehow become a thing thanks to Uncle Chael Sonnen. Brandon, I'll start with you. This is your division: buy or sell Israel Adesanya versus Colby Covington for the middleweight title. Is the fight that makes the most sense for both fighters? I like Chael, but he must have been super high or something when he put that out. <laughs> That is definitely not. Colby better stay where he's going to stay because it's a totally different animal when you step to 85. That 15-pound difference is something serious. Um, definitely not the fight to make. Um, Izzy's got Cannoneer, obviously, next, but or according to him, he does. But um, he's still got work to do at 85. But um, I think I, – I, I know it's a little off topic, but I, I know his time's coming too. Like, he, he's going to lose soon. It, the blueprint's being drawn. It's it's going to happen. But just put that on record too. Highlight that. This is the this is the one we're clipping right here. You're, you're yeah. Highlight it. that. Mm-hmm. Highlight that. 
All right. Is this you? Are you saying you or just in general? When when I get up there, I'll do it for sure if he's still there. But no, I'm saying in general. How many fights? How many fights from now? I'd say with three, maybe max four. Max four. I don't think Cannoneer is going to do it, to be honest. But um, he's definitely not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going to do it. And I'm trying to think of the rankings, but within three, within four, he's going to do it for sure. Like he's going to lose at middleweight. Jed, what do you think? Buy or sell Adesanya Covington is the fight that makes the most sense for both guys. No, Just Jed, like, buy or sell, he loses in three to four fights. And we'll we'll right. ask that too. That's part two. <laughs> okay. Part one, there's a logic there. Uh, it's probably a faulty logic. God bless Chael Sonnen just doing his best to put over um, the guy who poorly stole his shtick. Um, it's not going to happen, so I'm going to sell this in general because it's obviously not a thing that's going to happen. I think there is an argument for it, um, and it's a lot of the argument that Jail makes where I am not certain that Colby Covington is a star um, because – he hasn't sold a lot of pay-per-views, if we're being honest. He's some level of a star. I don't know how much interest he really drives, but I could see a world where that is a fight that some people are compelled by and interested in. And assuming Izzy does beat Cannoneer, um, which I think he will, there's not like a ton of people immediately jumping out as title contenders for him. So like, there's a, there's a logic to it, but at the end of the day, it's a very stupid fight that won't happen. So, um, you know, it, it's just a bit of spinning the wheels and trying to buff star power. Uh, as for the second one, I can see what Brendan's saying. I don't think it's going to be true uh, for one main reason. I don't think Izzy's going to stay at middleweight past this year. We've talked about this before. I think he's fighting Cannoneer. I think he makes maybe another uh, two fights this year. But I think he's going to fight Cannoneer in the fall um, or maybe maybe summer. Uh, and then he will have one more middleweight title defense. I don't remember who I thought it was likely to be. Like, I don't know, like Sean Strickland or some shit like that. Um, but he's going to have one more. And then I think he's going up to 205 permanently. Uh, because I think this is all a long game where he goes up to 205. Usman defends his belt against Leon Edwards. And then Usman jumps up to middleweight, does the thing where he tries to get a second title uh, because that's before he retires. So I think Usman's near the end of his career. Um, but if Izzy does stay for a while, I could see him losing. And the right reason I say I could see him losing, we all know the answer, Mike. You don't want to believe it's true, but I believe it's true. Hamza Chimaev, baby. Two-division champion. Let's go. Look at Brendan's face. Wow. I knew Brendan would hate it, but I don't care. <laughs> I am all in on the Hamza train. I don't care that he has, like, work. one good win in the You're UFC. not all in. I'm all, not in. all in. I, <laughs> I have shoved all my chips behind him. Future welterweight champion. Future middleweight champion. I'm, like, two beers away from saying future light heavyweight champion. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Not I, I have anything to say about it, Jed. No. <laughs> Look, me wrong. I'm just saying, fours forever. Let's go. Oh, man. Well, uh, 
The Colby thing is actually interesting. Like I think it's a little more interesting, and it's for the it's okay. interesting for the reason. It's the reason the it's interesting for the reason you brought up Jed because we're booking all of these big fights. We have two July pay per views that we need to fill. One of them is International Fight Week. Izzy said after his last title defense, he wants to fight in June or July because he wants to have a very active year. He even thought like I'll fight in May, but June July was probably like the benchmark of where he wanted to fight. The June card is filling up. Big time at this point. I mean, maybe you could do it underneath. Uh, no, we got two title fights on that card already for that potentially Singapore card. So now we have International Fight Week. You have to think that's the Valentina Tyler Santos fight as well. Oh, I forgot that fight was announced a week ago okay. or whatever. So we have International. So now we have International Fight Week. You have to believe that they're gonna prop. They're gonna do everything in their power to throw Izzy on one of those two July cards, right? Let's just say Cannoneer is not ready to go. What's the most interesting fight you can make? Maybe Shemaev. If you want to make the argument for Shemaev, oh. just for weirdness, go right ahead. But Colby's interesting. Like, Izzy Colby would actually be interesting if Cannoneer is not ready to go. If he's not, I mean, who else would Izzy fight? Unless you throw him up at 205 again, but the 205-pound title is being defended the month before that. Yeah, but Shemaev or Cumshot, whatever, he can't get a title fight off of a loss. That's the problem. Oh. oh okay oh yeah you know i mean saying? that's i mean it's a good no, answer right there ain't going up to 85 yet so that's, that's you know. a good answer right there i respect I, I, your belief in gilbert burns i do not share it <laughs> um you know maybe i think we'll the, the the thing you outline mike makes sense uh i would frankly be happy to see is he fight like just another 205er if that's the way he wanted to do it like i my guess, my gut feeling is that they are going to try and push for the John Jones Stipe fight to headline International Fight Week, and then that doesn't need help. That is just it. Like you do that, and you don't need anything else to work. But but you're asking know. a lot trying to book that fight. Look, I there's you do no Izzy man versus who Ty, or you do uh, John Jones and me. There's no yeah. man who believes <laughs> less than John Jones. Stipe versus Ty Tuivasa for the interim title. I don't think Stipe will take it. You don't so, think so? I think Stipe is too stubborn. Straight up think he's just like, no. Same money, same Jones. stakes. He wouldn't fight. You don't I think he'd fight Todd? John Jones or or I wait for Francis because I think I could be totally wrong, but I just, it seems difficult for me to imagine Stipe would take it. But the point being, I could see Covington sneaking his way in, but I just don't think it's, it just seems unlikely in part because I think Izzy doesn't want to give him that boost. Like it would undeniably like lift Colby Covington up in some ways. And given Izzy's connection with Usman and Usman's not like a huge fan of Covington. I just don't think he's going to want to be like, yeah, I'll give him that shine. So we do, uh, we do Izzy versus Iwan Kutalaba at two Oh five. Look, I love Moldovia and Joel Edgerton. <laughs> well said. Well, I will say a little teaser. I know some of you will be happy about this news and some of you won't, but uh, we'll get Colby's take on this idea. Uh, I will specifically in around 48 minutes from right now. So so stay tuned for that on MMA Fighting. We'll hear from Mike, Mr. Chaos himself. Can you once again, well, one, and you should ask Colby two things. First thing is tell him to quit running. Been calling him out for like, I don't know, two years at this point, he can come get this smoke anytime he wants on BTL. And two, just, like, I'm happy to help him with his trash talk because he's really not very good at it. Um, and I'm happy to help 
I'll, I'll write him some lines. I'll give him some better material than the weak stuff he's working with because it's just it's a bit played out. He needs some new he needs some new stuff. Well, we'll see if he has it. But uh, we are running out of time here. That's it. So next week we should be back to normal with the bells and whistles and the competition and all the fun stuff and music and all the and everything. What about the low key banger, Mike? I have a low key banger. We have a preview show tomorrow that you're going to be on, right? Oh, okay. You're either going to be on it or you're going to be on the pre-fight Q and A. So either I'm way, we'll hear Q&A. what your low. Yeah, we, we will hear what your low-key banger is for sure. But Brennan, Brennan's a very busy man. He's got things That's to fair. do. All right. So, Brennan, big fight uh, targeted for UFC 275, I believe. That is that June card, and there, there's talks about Singapore, although that's not 100% official yet. Uh, but Brennan. Very excited to see you back in there. Jacob Malkoon should be a, a nice, grueling grinder of a fight. Jacob's been looking pretty good. You're coming off the big win. So uh, what's your message for Jacob Malkoon right now as you uh, embark on this this new training camp, getting ready for this June fight? Man, I just hope I can keep a consistent opponent. Like, Hopefully he doesn't pull. Hopefully I don't have a switch. Um, that's what things don't go good for me is when I have too many switches. So same guy. Um come june 11th and i'm gonna put jacob away for sure no ifs ands or buts i'm getting him out of there i'm gonna i'm gonna make a statement and prove a point well there you go and that's it everybody so thank you all for tuning in i know this you know the production quality isn't isn't casey-esque but casey's got things to do uh what will be casey-esque is his performance in the cage in california he is gonna lay it the smack it down 30 second ko baby and we're gonna find a way to uh figure something uh, I forgot, Mike. The reason Israel Adesanya is going to lose is because Casey Layden's coming, baby. <laughs> Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> Let's get it done. Let's get it done. So we'll let you know how to how we're gonna we're gonna do a Twitter Spaces or some sort of stream or something when that fight happens. So we'll let you know what's going on. We'll figure it out. Uh, but I believe we're gonna see some video content in the buildup, a Casey Layden embedded, if you will. Uh, a two-part series. I believe the first one's going to drop sometime tomorrow, so so get it ready for that. Jed versus Ben Duffy. A lot of people calling for this matchup, Jed, so maybe we'll try to make that happen. But until then, everybody, for Jed, for Brennan Allen, we love you, Casey. Kick some ass. I am Mike Heck. We'll see you next week between the links. Good night, everybody. Love you, The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.